Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, your significant other, children, family, friends, community, and higher power, this show is for you. We explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. The show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Coach Kay. Let's get this episode of the Bringing Intimacy Back Show started. We share with you today the secret power to intimacy to create a life you love or love the life you create. Now, here's your host, Dr. April and co-host, Coach Kay. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. How are you doing, Coach Kay? I'm doing good. Wide awoke. Had a good workout this morning. How about yourself? Oh, good. I wish I had a workout, but yes, <laughs> that is so good. Yes, yes. So I'm excited about today's show. I yes. am. Um, it. It. I. I really am. Being a part of that club, I want to hear all about it. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, um, in today's show, it's something that we can all learn from. You know, um, and our topic today is why S-E-X, while sex dies out. And that's something we can all learn from because even though you and I both work with couples and work with people, it's so much good to get some good news and some extra tools to help people. Yes, absolutely. Lifelong learning. That's what makes you the best that you are with what you do. Right, definitely. And so... um, <clears throat> In that, I was just also wanting to let everybody know that we're still a nonprofit, and the nonprofit that we have today is called Dress for Success. And Dress for Success is an organization that helps people, especially women who are coming into the workforce, and they provide dresses and career material and career work. So if you're thinking about donating, hey, definitely think for Dress for Success. And as we are talking about this subject about sex, you know, dressing for sex is also very critical. Yes, even down to the birthday suit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which goes back to the whole workout, which is really good. So what do you do for a workout? Well, I teach a core class. So I'm a licensed Zumba instructor, but I'm also licensed in Zumba core and glutes. And so I, on Thursday morning, I teach a core class and then we just do just an ultimate stretching. So we stretch the body out um, and working out. I always say, you know, sex is exercise too. So, I mean. Yes, of course. <laughs> and it's so good to stretch because that it really is. does help, you know, especially, I don't know if you've dealt with women or people who sometimes have um, pain and all that. So stretching really does help. Yes, yeah. and toning, and then oh, learning the movements of, of Zumba. That and I like I'm a hip mover, so I'm a Shakira fan. So <laughs> my ladies, I'm always move your hips and open those hips up because you know as we get older they can really tighten, like you said, and have that pain with it. So I'm all about just opening up the hips and just that movement and feeling sexy and beautiful while you're working out. <laughs> right, definitely. So if any of you guys out there are listening and you want to know how to get more sexy or, you know, maybe sex is dying out in your relationship, please, if you have questions, um, we're live right now. 
Just put your questions in the chat box and we'll get it. In the meantime, we're going to take a break and we come back. We're going to have an expert here that talks to us about why sex dries out. Sex should not be the elephant in the room. The fourth ebook of the Improving Intimacy book series from Bringing Intimacy Back, It's All About Sex, helps you navigate every which way you can tend to your sex life. Pulling out all the stops, dive into the central read about sex toys, silky linens, and date nights. Improving Intimacy, It's All About Sex, is available on Amazon, Kindle, Audible, and paperback. Search Dr. April Brown on Amazon to view all her books on improving intimacy for yourself, spouse, and more. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back show, where intimacy is real. Welcome, Irene. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes. Well, let me introduce Irene. Irene is a certified sex and intimacy coach that help couples make love and have sex that works and that stays active in a long-term relationship. She brings sex and passion and she helps you bring it when your relationship has been sexless. So determined to dispel the myths about why sex dies in long-term relationships, she's going to educate us. Um, and in the heartbreaks and broken dreams, Irene has been featured all over the world in HuffPost, Huff Cosmopolitan, which is wonderful, Refinery29, Scary Mommy, which I don't know what that's about, <laughs> Alien Light Daily, and Butso. She's no stranger to her client's issues, having recovered from the all-common story of a happy marriage turned sexless. sexless. So she's going to help us learn about restoring that libido. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. So getting started right away, um, you put down you're an intimacy coach. And so I really want to know, what is your definition of intimacy? Yes. So I'm a sex and intimacy, because for me, when I think about sex and the way we, uh, society and culture thinks about sex as, as all the physical things, right. so the positions, the, the lubes, the orgasms, um, all of that. And the intimacy piece is the emotional connection that underlies all the physicality that happens in sex. And to me, those are very important to have, especially a fulfilling sex life that lasts over the years. Um, so intimacy is anything from letting your partner in and enjoying the pleasure that they're giving to you to expressing your own energy and your enthusiasm and your excitement for your partner, showing your own desire and hunger for them. It's also about asking for what you want and opening yourself up to, well, on the negative side, criticism and humiliation, but of course on the positive side is letting your partner really see into you and, and really understand you. Um, and it's also allowing yourself to play and be wild or be quiet, to be yourself, to not have to just perform in sex to get a certain result or to show up in a certain way to a partner. But there's so much intimacy in just being yourself, right? In your birthday suit, just being naked emotionally with each other. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love how you put that about being naked emotionally. And that is so hard for a lot of um individuals and yeah yeah i think especially sometimes for women 
Yes. Uh, in You know, we've all grown up with ideas that, especially funny enough, um, with, in Cosmopolitan, I was a reader of Cosmo growing up, and I always had this idea that I need to be a certain way uh, as a woman, to be sexy in a certain way, and to be sexual in a certain way, and to express myself in certain ways. And that is very damaging because it creates a lot of shame and it has us shut down and put a facade towards our partners. And that, as I've seen over and over with the couples I work with, that disconnects people. And that eventually leads to a lot less sexual pleasure, a lot less of sexual satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So back to Cosmopolitan, I've been um, uh, quoted in many articles and I'm really changing the way we talk about this to add this emotional intimacy piece, um, kind of rewriting a lot of this, the information and stories that I grew up with to add this element of intimacy and connection. Yeah. Um, and you're right. I think criticism and self-criticism is one of the things that does impact why sex dies out. Yeah, I'm curious from you and also from Coach K, what else do you guys see as people come into you or couples come into you for a reason because they've been in a relationship, but the sex is dying out? You well, know, I, I look at the, the reason why sex dies out in a long-term relationship um, in stages. So there are different stages depending on this the, literally like the, the the chronological state in the relationship and you know when couples meet and they are attracted to each other so there's sexual chemistry and sexual hormones uh, mm -hmm. up to the roof and they feel like wow someone gets them they're spending quality time with them like everything is happening and the sex usually for most couples flows in the beginning sexual desire you don't have to work at it Again, for most, not everyone. Um, and so many couples will make the mistake thinking that that's how it is. That's how it's going to be. That's how it's, it's meant to be because we're meant to be with each other. And what we don't realize is that during the stage, uh, the kind of sex that we're having, which is what I call friction sex, is very physical and it's driven by, by those hormones of sexual attraction, of newness, of excitement. And it makes for hot sex and, and mm -hmm. hot passion, but all of that is naturally going to die out. And what I see um, in a lot of couples is that when, when the, those hormones start to wane and the passion starts to wane, they start to question their own attraction to each other. Maybe we're not meant for each other. Maybe this isn't meant to be. And some couples will break up at this stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, a lot of couples will also start to develop feelings for each other. So they actually move into another stage, which is what I call validation sex. And that is now you're infusing love and limerence and, and um, care into, into sex. And so it can also be very passionate type of sex, very exciting. Of course, again, you feel loved, you feel desired, like, wow, this person really loves me. But that too, that type of sex will die out. Because invariably, when there's love, there's also fear of loss and abandonment. Mm -hmm. And as human beings, we do funky things when we are scared of losing our partners. And one of those things is we have to be careful with our partners. We take care of our partners. 
rather than really showing up with our needs and with our own sexual desire and hunger. And eroticism will die when we're trying to take care of our partners. What also happens when you're in love is that the attachment patterns will kick in. So uh, whether you're an anxious or an avoidant type, invariably there's gonna be times when your partner doesn't desire you or they want more from you, right? They want something from you. And so the attachment patterns will kick in. And so we start to see um, differences in desire in many, many couples. And so validation sex naturally also dies out because it's driven by something external to us. And friction sex, sexual hormones and lust, newness. Here it's, it's the hormones and the attachment patterns associated with love. And so they both die out. They both die out. Yeah. So what's left then? <laughs> what's left? <laughs> yes. Well, there's a transition period, which is the end of sex. And this is a really important piece um, to name because this is where couples get incredibly confused and heartbroken. And they start to make wrong conclusions about what's happening. They think it's about them, right? They, they start to question themselves. Is it me? Am I being a, a bad partner or am I just not good enough? They start to question each other. Oh, maybe my partner is bad. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. Or they, they start to question their love for each other. Again, maybe we're not meant to be with each other. Maybe mm -hmm. there isn't really something here. And they often engage in this, what I call a marriage death spiral, um, whether they're married or not, it's really about a long-term relationship. And they start to develop one of these 10 behaviors that start small and then spiral into bigger behaviors that start with resentment and complaining or withdrawing, but ending up arguing over the little stuff to um, distancing and uh, a lot of these other behaviors that stem from that and ending with fear and catastrophizing and then losing touch, or excuse me, losing, losing trust with each other. And what's really important to understand is that if we don't catch ourselves in, in this piece when sex ends and we, don't, we realize that it's not us, we'll go down the spiral and it can really destroy a relationship. But when you can catch yourself and grieve all these expectations that you had of sex being this thing that's amazing the way it was in the beginning, then and only then can you move on to the third stage, which is what I call connection sex. Okay. It's moving beyond the biological urges uh, uh, and uh, the biological reasons to be with each other to actually being intentional and being and creating both conversations and practices that support intimacy, that have you open up with each other, that have you feel safe, and that have you explore sensuality and explore different facets of your sexuality, which is usually not happening in the beginning because you just want to really like get off with each other and be with each other. Now you get to step back and do it intentionally and discover what eroticism looks like for your relationship. And that equips you then to be, to, to let this, your sex life grow with your relationship and grow with what, whatever, wherever you are, whatever stage you are in your life. Yeah. Um, you said a mouthful and I, I love everything that you just, you know, you said, and it, it, for anyone that's listening, it helps it to, to make sense 
Um, because like you said, some people think, you know, something's wrong with me or something's wrong with you without realizing that there's a cycle to pretty much everything in life. Yes. And being able to, for you to kind of, you know, list those out, it can help people take a step back and say, okay, where are we in this cycle? And how can we kind of get back in tune and in sync with each other? Because um, I'll say with couples that I find that it's one one thing that didn't happen or that did happen could have been 10, 15 years ago. And this thing has marinated and it has grown. And now here we are, you know, 25 years into the marriage and someone that doesn't want to touch the other person or someone's just not fulfilled emotionally. So the physical part is like, mm, I'd rather not. Um, so being able to recognize those stages, knowing where you are and almost like doing a reset. Yeah. And when you have that awareness of knowing what stage you're at, or even just knowing that there are stages allows you to not take things so personally and actually connect and learn about each other and be curious about each other. Absolutely. Yeah. I was wondering, cause you have these stages here and I'm assuming it also depends on the type of partner you have. So I know you also counsel single women or single men and women, how can they attract a partner that can maybe minimize and maybe not go through these stages or does everyone go through these stages? Yeah. Yes. Well, we all go through this, these stages because <laughs> um, you know, you can't get, get over the, how unique and special the beginning of a relationship is because that newness is, is, is intoxicating for all of us. Mm -hmm. But what can be different when you're single is, to be aware that there are these stages and to not make conclusions because this is this is where we all go wrong is we make conclusions about ourselves or again the relationship or partners and stop being curious and so you said we, stop being curious yeah we stop being curious okay yeah, yeah. Right? and so the solution is always to actually be curious about yourself what do you right. need and to be curious about your partner, what do they need? What do they want? What's important to them? And you can basically, you'll still get dragged along these stages, but you can actually move through them much faster and more ease without them affecting your relationship. And the biggest way to do all of that is to use your voice, to understand your needs, to say what is it that you're, you like, that you're looking for, that you need in the beginning of a relationship. And to see if your partner is meeting you. And then again, if, if, if things don't go as, as you hope they would, using your voice to address that. Not leaving these things to fester and show up 20 years later, but to address them when they show up from the, from the intention that you want to learn about each other and you want to set yourselves up for success. But still, I'll say that, again, it's still hard because, again, that beginning is just so strong and intoxicating um, that sometimes it's, it's very hard to do that. Right. Um, and you talk about that friction sex in the beginning. What about if the sex in the beginning is not great? That's actually that's a wonderful opportunity in a way to design connection sex from the beginning. Okay. Okay. So, you know, sometimes if you're if sex is not great, it could be really truly an issue of compatibility. Like right. you may really desire completely different things, or 
the role of sex may be different for, for each of you. For someone, it could be just a way to get off and, and release mm -hmm. tension. For someone else, it's an opportunity to play and to, sh to open up and to be very vulnerable and to like basically uh, have a relationship with someone. Right, right. So there may be those really real true differences. Um, and if there are similarities and sex is not great, again, that's a call to action to be intentional about it, to, to get support, to go on retreats, to, um, to talk about things, to educate your, yourselves and, and each other on, on ways to connect or new ways of engaging physically and learn to do this early on yeah. and not wait for sex to die. But, but to actually start with it not existent or not going so well in the beginning and build it up from the beginning. I will say that I worked with a really fairly young couple. And when I said to them, all right, when you guys get into the bedroom, I need you to be a little bit selfish. And they both kind of looked at me like, you know, and I said, just selfish in a different way. When you walk in there, don't think about how am I going to please you today? Because then you lose the free flooring, free, free flowing of the actual action. Yeah. Um, because you're so busy worrying about, okay, I got to make sure I do this and that she gets this or that he gets that. And the mechanical <laughs> cog will start working. And then it's just this robotic sex that you're starting to have. <laughs> um so when I say that and people are shocked by, it, uh, of course, explaining what that selfishness looks like, but you really do have to use your voice. Uh, you do have to talk about what you need, want and desire out loud and then walk in that bedroom with yourself, your pleasure in mind while connecting with the other party. Yeah. And you know, piggybacking to what you just said, that selfishness, that uh, attention to your own needs and your own desires that fills your cup, which has you then show up satisfied and wanting more. And this is especially important for women's sexual desire. So we're natural givers. We want to please. And so are men. Men love pleasing their, their women. Um, but it's also that we, when we don't get our cup filled, when we don't get the kind of touch we want, or we don't get to express ourselves fully and playfully, we, we don't fill up and then we don't want to show up again. Naturally, the body is going to resist doing something that makes it deplete its energy. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's this benefit of also being selfish in the bedroom. It's, it's going to create passion and it's also going to create further sexual desire, especially for women mm -hmm. to to want to engage sexually again and again and again. Right. What do you think of some of the other critical factors for, like you said, women, especially I think women in their um, late 20s and early 30s who struggle to have a, you know, fulfilling sex life or, or even women on the other side, um, you know, that are in menopause and all that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, our libido as women is very different than men, even though right. our culture has equated uh, sexuality and sex drive the way men experience it. And it has tripped up so many people, myself included. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very much responsible for why I lost my desire or I thought I lost my desire in my marriage and ended up in a sexless marriage. And it, you know, it, 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 us women not understanding that we function differently, um, that men and we have different needs and also they change with what, whatever stage of life you're in, whether it's, uh, whether you, you're in your teens or twenties to childbearing years and raising children to menopause, things change so much. And that of course impacts then the way sex happens. Um, what I see, what I saw for myself and what I see with so many of my clients is that women are just simply not getting enough nutrients to want mm. sex, nutrients. Right? not getting, mm. not getting connection, right? The, I outlined this in a free video series on my website, which is called How to Want Sex Again. Right. And, you know, we, we see our partners for five minutes in the morning and at night, and we think that we should expect ourselves to have sex. We drain our energy all day long and crawl into bed exhausted. And we think that we're supposed to have, we're supposed to now be sex queens. Right. And if we're not, we blame ourselves that there's something wrong with us sexually. And this then impacts our sexual desire. It goes away because again, right. the nutrients, the nutrients of connection and pleasure and, and spaciousness, all of that. And energy. And energy, absolutely. We don't get them when we're functioning. You know, this is kind of the reality for most women around the world. We're, we're running on an empty tank, but we're expecting ourselves to be super women mm-hmm. well the thing is that with for example uh, an engine you're not going to call an engine stupid and broken just because it's not running when it has no fuel right and so so the same with our sexuality if it's uh if it's sputtering and it's starting to die out let's check if we have fuel if we're getting the nutrients that we need that's huge and mm-hmm. it's one of those things is like it's a no-brainer, but it's not thought about every day. Right. <laughs> we we enjoy as women just because we're natural nurturers, we enjoy giving and giving and pouring and pouring. And even with an empty pitcher, we will turn ourselves upside down and see right. shake it just to see what else can come out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. unfortunately that that backfires. It may create us a, a, a good feeling like, wow, I'm really contributing to others, but mm-hmm. it'll, it'll create a deep uh, sense of sadness and something like, like a, you know, a sense of depression because you, you are literally de- getting depressed because you're shrinking from not having those nutrients. And of course it creates resentment, which again impacts the, the relationship through that spiral. Right. Right. So how did, you know, um, even in your own situation, and I've seen it in a lot of couples or women, when they see that they're exhausted, they feel like they're doing everything, whether they have two, three or zero children, and their marriage is sexless. How do you even start that conversation that, hey, we may need some help? Yeah. Well, first, in this is a really important piece. Like if you're starving, first thing is to put your oxygen mask on first and to to take care of yourself. 
Um, and one of the things that I really focus on and I teach is how pleasure is a key nutrient for us women. So start to reconnect mm -hmm. to your own pleasure. Mm -hmm. What that's going to do before you have any conversations with a partner is that it's going to fill your cup so that you're not going to come to a partner from that resentful, angry, starving place. Because what usually happens there is that it's natural to resort to anger, to criticism, to blame, to pressure, and right. that doesn't support anyone. So again, putting your oxygen mask on first is really important before you do any, before you have any kind of conversations with a partner. Mm -hmm. And um, the second thing I want to say about this is I, the, the common mistake that people make, which is important to avoid when it comes to talking to a partner of getting support, is that um, the mistake is to make it about therapy or coaching. Hey, we need to get therapy or coaching. Right. And even though that may be the vehicle for <laughs> support, that's not actually what is it, what it is that you want. And so in a conversation with a partner, connect to what is it that you want to create with them. And it could be something like, hey, I, you know, we fell in love with each other. We were so, we were so full of energy and enthusiastic and for each other and passionate. And now I'm noticing we're distant and I miss you and I want to recreate that with you or I want to create something new with you. And I know I can't do this myself and I, I need us to seek help or I want, I want external support for us to not have to carry this burden on ourselves. And so it's a switch from making it about therapy or coaching to making it about yourself and your desires and your needs. I want to have a passionate relationship with you, my partner. I want to reconnect to, to this uh, passion that I had within myself and I want to share it with you, right? Making it about vulnerability, making it about your desires and your needs. And that's a different proposition or a different request than, um, than again, making it about therapy. Humanizing it versus yeah. therapizing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like yes. that. Yes. Well, tell us about this Feed Your Libido. Yeah. So Feed Your Libido is my signature online program. It's a self-learning okay. program. And I made this because I know so many women are very shy around this topic and actually don't want even or not ready for personalized support. So I made this very extensive and in-depth program that's divided into bite-sized chunks that is about understanding your libido and understanding what you need, what nutrients you need mm -hmm. to feed it so that it comes alive. So it's this whole idea of a full cup. If your cup is full, you have energy to overflow and share with your partner and give from desire and receive. And, and it, it, it comes genuinely. And so everything that happens in the program is um, all different ways to feed your libido from again, understanding it to uh, weeks of different practices to help you connect to your sensuality and your sexuality. There's tools to talk to a partner and there's a lot of mindset and um, mindset tools for for you to uh, to switch your and the way you show up in the world um, into like a, a queen mentality. Like 
like um, stepping into abundance, stepping into empowerment, um, rather than um, giving yourself away. So that's available on my website, feedyourlibidocourse.com. Nice. Yeah. I like that last part. You said it's different than giving yourself away. Yeah. I think all women will resonate with that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, when you say that, um, can you explain to the audience what that means? I have in my mind, I'm thinking of, um, I have couples that come, and sometimes a woman will just have sex because that's what she feels like her partner really wants. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Even though she, she's like, this is my wifely duty. So when you say giving yourself away, that's what popped up in my mind. But yeah. I'm not sure if that's what you were. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely one of the ways. And it also shows up in all different aspects of our lives from not getting enough sleep yes. and doing things for everyone else and giving ourselves up because we're not taking care of ourselves to rushing out the door, making sure you do everything perfectly at home, but not getting breakfast, to eating through lunch at work, again, not taking care of yourself, to signing up for meetings or to saying yes to your boss because you're gonna do something to please them, not, to, not honoring yourself. And so why I'm mentioning specifically things outside of sex is that they build up. Mm -hmm. yes doing all of this throughout the day. And then again, you crawl into bed exhausted and you expect yourself to be different. Well, you're, there's going to be a shell of you left by the end of the day. And not only that, and this is one of the big pieces that I talk about in my work and in the program. And of course the coaching is that part of women's libido is not, is not only biological. It's not only sensual. It's not only erotic. It's all of those but there's this one piece that holds it all together, which is self-integrity. Self-integrity, wow. If we don't feel good about ourselves, like if we're resentful at ourselves for saying yes to our boss or doing this or not getting sleep or all of these things, we cannot expect ourselves to feel good if we don't feel good. Mm -hmm. And it's when we start to honor ourselves including, of course, saying yes to sex when you want to or, or asking for what it is that you really want that's going to lead to sex. So it could be prolonged touch, sensual play, it could be toys, it could be dressing up or dressing down, whatever your, your flavor is. But when you ask for what you need and use your voice, you start to feel good. You start to feel in charge of your life. Like it's not just happening to you, but that you are driving it. And then libido starts to come online because we start to feel good from the inside. And that's, really, that's the piece about not giving yourself up is that the, the benefit of that is that your libido starts to come alive. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I'm glad you put in that self-integrity because um, a lot of women sometimes give that up you know, whether they're uh, at home all the time taking the care of the kids and they just feel overwhelmed, you know, or they're outside the home and they take on so much stuff and they feel overwhelmed or changes in their lives, but they are not in love with themselves and they just like, yeah, they put everybody else's needs. Yes. So thank you for definitely mentioning that. 
this has been a wonderful um, show. You've given us so much information. So if people are out there listening and they want to know, how can they get in touch with you? So you can find a, a ton of free blogs and videos on my website, which is irenefair.com, F-E-H-R. And um, that's the best way to, to get in touch with me. There's also links to the Feed Your Libido online program, which is also at feedyourlibidocourse.com. And um, again, I invite you to get to take advantage of the free resources, the blog posts, the videos, the free video series. Um, there's just so much information that's, that uh, is on the website because I'm really passionate about, um, like you said in the intro, dispelling these myths that really trip people up and create disconnect because I, it's just what I see with the couples that I work with and single women who end up meeting their partners is that so much joy, openness, freedom, ecstasy is available on the other side when we become coming into integrity with ourselves and get curious about each other. So that's my mission in this life is to enable that. Yes. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being in the show. We really do appreciate it. And I truly um, like how you did this, the cycle. Yes. Yes. Cause I think that was just very, very informative. So thanks for being in the show and we'll be right back. Thank you. Renew your connection and your love in beautiful Costa Rica. We'll make sure it happens. Vacation Counseling provides intimate couples retreats, including one-on-one -on -one counseling, yoga, and nature outings to help you and your partner rekindle the passion. Our experienced team of counselors works with one couple at a time to improve intimacy, communication, and more. Enroll now at vacationcounseling.com. Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. Wow, she just brought some really powerful information. Yes, I know that this show is definitely going to help a lot of women who, you know, may not have the time to even go and find the help. This kind of fell in their laps. <laughs> so this will definitely get some conversations started. Yes, yes, definitely. And I think like her cycle of how um, sex happens in a relationship helps people to realize, well, I'm not the only one. Right. Absolutely. That this whole fantasy land of sex having folks outside of your, your door is really not there. <laughs> There's yes. somewhere in that cycle. <laughs> yes. And if as a female, if you're out there and you're struggling, um, definitely check out her information um, because she can help feed your libido, as she puts it, yes, with the nutrition. So I think that was wonderful, too. So, Coach K, what else is coming up on our show? All right. So we have some great shows coming up. So on May the 12th, uh, we will meet Mandy Nuttall to discuss birds, bees, and sex ed. On May 19th, we have Rayford Palmer, a divorce lawyer's perspective, who is discussing, is divorce the answer? On May 26th, we have Vinny Pastativo with Creative Intimate Connections. That sounds kind of fun. And then on June the 2nd, Eddie Caparussi with Why Men Struggle to Love. 
Y'all hear that, fellas? We got a show for the fellas coming up. So make sure y'all tune in. Ladies for the fellas, come on and tune in. <laughs> yes. Well, this has been the Bring in Intimacy show. And if you were listening, definitely check out Irene Fair. Um, she provided such great information. If you're struggling sexually in a relationship or feeling you're struggling yourself, definitely check her out. And we will see you guys next week at 3.30. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Bringing Intimacy Back. We hope you enjoyed it. You can also find us at bringingintimacyback.com and Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter. Dr. April Brown's five-book series, Improving Intimacy, is now on Amazon, available in Kindle, Audible, or paperback. We'll see you next Thursday live at 3.30 p.m.